Man. Man, when we sing that song, Bring Your Kingdom Here, uh, I, just, I just think of what Sally and the whole team has been up to uh, in, in Swaziland. May darkness fear. I mean, that's just so, so good. People like Sally, people who are out there building the kingdom of God, may darkness fear, man. There's, there's nothing that can stop us, right? Isn't that right? You guys, you guys believe that? It's a good day. Hey, just want to say this, that little step of faith. I, I just want to say thank you. I, I know Dave already said this to all the fathers who just decided to stick in the game, man. It's so thank you for sticking in the game because we know, we know that the, the kids that have a dad are exponentially more likely to succeed. And we know that 30 Three to 40% of kids are growing up without their biological father in their life. And so can we just get a huge round of applause for the dads who stuck in the game? The stepdads who have stepped in? The foster dads who are coming alongside of kids without it? I mean, thank you so much for being a father. There's, there's nothing better. Hey, again, welcome here to K2. We are in this new series called Heaven on earth. Now, who doesn't want to experience heaven on earth? Let me, I guess maybe I should rephrase it the other way. Who wants to experience heaven on earth? Who, which one of you guys like, you guys with me? Like, we all want to experience heaven right here, right now. I think that's one of the reasons why we're all sitting here in the room together, right? We're like, we want something more than what we got because what we've got, we, we see so often uh, the opposite, right? We, we experience very regularly in our life hell on earth. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can all say that's something that we've faced. Uh, you don't have to look too far back in your story to say, man, that was not good. Uh, I, I know it, I had, an, talking about fathers, I had an amazing father uh, that, that really took what he was given and gave me a, an amazing gift. He, uh, he got the shaft when it comes to a father. You know, he, he got a dad that was sometimes great, and then sometimes when you added alcohol into the mix, was, was violent, was very hurtful in, in, in many different ways. And that's what he got growing up. He got hell on earth in his home, where it's supposed to be safe, right? And, and even into my story, I had great parents, amazing parents. They gave me uh, a thousand year light years uh, leap forward in life. But then stuff happens, right? Where like my brother, when I was just one year old, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. And, uh, and then he had to go through the fight of his life. Thankfully, survived uh, and, and came out on the other side. But man, I, I got shipped off to my aunt and uncle in Seattle. My brothers and sisters were uh, down in Boise. My, or I was in Portland, sorry. My mom and brother were in Seattle. I mean, our family was kind of spread out to the, the four corners of the, uh, the Northwest, right? And, uh, and this, was, this was our life. It, we, we, we all experience this, right? There's, there's things maybe in your life right now where you're experiencing hell on earth, right? There's, there's some of us out here who are experiencing just our past seem to be dominating our futures. It's like anxiety, depression, anger just seem to be boiling over into our present. Or maybe you're dealing with health issues, or maybe you're just dealing with relational issues. I like to say to all the premarital counseling couples that I do, do this with is that 
Uh, marriage, when it's good, is closest thing to heaven on earth, but when it's bad, it is the closest thing to hell you're ever going to experience on earth, right? I get an amen on that, right? No. <laughs> it, you, maybe you're in a just relational crisis, or maybe you're dealing with addiction and you're trying to get out of that hole of darkness. I don't know what it is for you, but what we're going to be talking about today is God's heavenly expansion plan. He wants to bring heaven to earth, like Dave was talking about in the Lord's Prayer. It says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's good news, right? Isn't that good news? That we don't have to just experience the hell that's on earth, but we can experience light. We can experience love. We can experience goodness. And God is wanting to bring that down here. But the truth is, is that Hell doesn't take a lot of work to get. It just happens to us. And heaven takes a whole lot more intention to bring here to this earth. And Jesus wants to teach us through these parables that we're going to be diving into for the next four weeks. I just want to say, be here for this. If you want to know what heaven is looking like on earth and how to bring it, you don't want to miss these next four weeks because we're going to be looking at how do we bring this here because we, should, we want it here, right? And I, I kind of think of this image like this. Um, think of heaven like this house, right? God's got this big house. Who, who was a Christian in the 90s and got to experience the beautiful thing of audio adrenaline? Right? Big, big house? Who's with me? Who, who knows that song? All right. You got to go listen to it if you've never heard it, okay? Go listen. Audio adrenaline, big, big house. Okay? Imagine the big, yes. Imagine the, the big, big house. You got, you got God, and he, he looks over. He's, he's, in, he's got the corner lot, and he looks over, and he looks across the fence, and he sees that the, the next-door neighbor, his lot isn't looking so good. It doesn't have the manicured lawn. Uh, the house is kind of falling apart, dilapidated. Uh, the yard's dry, weeds growing on up. And he's like, man, I've got all the resources I need to just build right on over. Like, I'm going to push the boundary lines, I'm going to push the borders, and I'm going to expand my house over across into this section. I'm going to share my place with this guy who doesn't have much. That's what, like, God is wanting to push his kingdom into our area of life. He wants to push his kingdom. He wants to bring heaven to earth. And the thing is, is he wants to invite us to do this with him. The, the good news is that he loves us. He loves us enough to offer this goodness, this, this mansion, this big house, right? But then he also wants to give us uh, a purpose. Like he wants us to be a part of his heavenly expansion plan. Like he's got plans. He's got blueprints. He wants to expand this house right over into your property. And you know, the, the truth is, is that we get to sit here and we get to ask ourselves today, are we okay with that? Like, are we okay with God encroaching on our boundary lines, on our property, onto our borders? That's what he wants to do. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So what is heaven? Well, based on just the, the Lord's Prayer that Dave already brought up, uh, it's where everything is as it should be, right? It's, it's where God's will is done perfectly, right? It's it's that place. And so uh, one of the things that I'm sure Dave will talk about next week is that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talks about more than anything else is this idea. It's like a, the kingship. It's where God 
His will is done perfectly, which means he is king in that place. Because when we're king, we don't make the great decisions. We, in fact, make really bad decisions sometimes. And we sometimes, inadvertently, sometimes, sometimes on purpose, bring hell on earth. And God wants to continue to bring heaven on earth. So we're going to be looking at two parables today. Two parables that start off, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Now, these are very, very, very short parables So here's my bribe for you, okay? Uh, Next week, we're going to be back here at 1030 again. And and I'm going to have a nice, fresh-baked batch of a dozen cookies uh, to anybody. Uh, They're going to be my family recipe, secret Murphy family recipe. Actually, it's a Farnsworth family recipe, back even further. And uh, it's oatmeal, chocolate chip, okay? If you can memorize these two parables... And if you, if you memorize it and you're not the first one to me, I might still have some extra. We'll see. <laughs> so, so come, find me next week with these two memorized, okay? You guys ready to read it? I'll read it here for you. Let's go on to the Matthew. All right. Okay, Matthew 13, uh, and it's verses 31 through 35. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what the, was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So we've got two pictures here, right? We've got a picture of the mustard seed, and we've got pictures uh, of a woman making bread. We've got mustard, we've got bread, you throw a little meat in there. Man, that's heaven on earth, right? It wouldn't be Father's Day without a dad joke, right? Come on, work with me here, work with me, okay? So I'm going to take you through four points today, four points that I think these two parables are making, and these are the four points we're going to go through. Uh, First of all, heaven is starts small, did you hear Sally's story? It's, she didn't even think it was worth talking about, right? It starts small. Heaven's ways are counterintuitive. Number three, trust that heaven's ways are unstoppable. And number four, let heaven's goodness bless the world. Okay, you guys ready to head on into these? Okay, let's start with number one. I think most of us really like Big things, right? It's, uh, we like going to concerts. We like, yeah, I mean, how do you, if we're honest with ourselves, it might be, I don't know, maybe not all of you, but it might be one of the reasons you're drawn to K2. I, I, it's a big church. I can, I can just go and hide in the back in the dark places and maybe never be seen. Uh, we got a good show here, right? We like big things. We like fireworks and excitement and things like that, but heaven if we're going to do things God's way, where his kingdom is coming, where heaven is coming to earth, always starts small. And we see this 
in the way in which Jesus decided to do ministry while he was here on earth. Now, Jesus had an amazing gift. It said in, his, in, in scriptures that he had, he was one who spoke as one with authority, right? And so he would draw massive crowds. And he never even tried to draw massive crowds. He would go and teach. It was almost like he was running from the crowds as he was teaching. He would like get in a boat and sail off and he would go and hide up in the hills and in the trees and stuff like this. And you know, we have stories of like the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. These didn't start off with big meals. He didn't draw crowds from offering meals on Sunday. He, he drew crowds because of the words that he spoke. 5,000 men, that's probably 15,000 at least people that were coming to listen to him speak when we add women and children into the mix that is the size of crowd that would, you know, that people, megachurch pastors are envious of today, right? And this was in the ancient world where there's problems like when you get that many people together, how do you feed them? Where do you put them up? Where do they sleep? Where, where's enough water for all these people? You know, all these issues start to arise, which we see come up in scripture, right? But he did not invest his life into speaking to large crowds. That's not where he invested himself. We see, in fact, Jesus doing almost completely the opposite. In fact, he invested in 12 guys with, almost, with most of his time, energy, and effort. He would have them follow him around, take them everywhere he would go, and he would show them how he lived life. He would even show them how he taught. He would show them who he was, who his character was at the deepest level, and he would teach them all these uh, little truths along the way. That's how Jesus decided to bring heaven to earth. He trusted. He, he, he went, he was, he was crucified on the cross, not having done more than investing in these 12 guys. There was no church where they could go and they could hire a new pastor to take on over, right? It's like, it was these 12 guys who were all hinged on them. And Jesus said, man, the hope of the kingdom of God, the hope of heaven coming to earth is right there. And I trust that that will move things forward and it worked, right? That's what Jesus invested in, and that's what works. And that's because Jesus knew the power of love and that you can't experience that in the midst of a crowd. You just can't. It is not possible. And heaven comes when we experience God in the midst of relationship. I don't know, have any of you ever had just a glimpse of heaven when you're sitting there talking with a good friend over a cup of coffee or something. Who, who's with me on that? Have you ever just had, experienced just a little bit of heaven right there? I, I know Mark Demeglio is right here. He says to me often, there's nothing better than a good friend on a warm day with a cold drink. You know, and most of the time when we, we meet up, we drink uh, coffee, just so anybody's worried, okay? Most of the time. So we... <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> this is how God starts his kingdom. Mustard seeds, yeast. If you want to build heaven on earth, you have to start small. Any other way that you start, you're going to miss out on the minor things that Jesus majored on. Specifically, people that are too insignificant to count when you're drawing big crowds. Jesus spent his time with children especially the fatherless, foreigners, sick, sinners, outsiders. That's who Jesus spent his time with. 
And if we don't start small, we miss those people because they're on the margins. And when we start big, we like to draw the crowds, right? And they're not the ones that we're seeing, right? So that's point one. Heaven always starts small. Number two is this. Heaven is counterintuitive. Now, let me just show you a picture of what this mustard plants look like that Jesus was talking about. This is a picture of some mustard plants in Israel. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's, these fields would just grow like this. And Jesus starts speaking uh, about mustard plants. And the funny thing is that these are actually a weed in, in Israel. So you get Jesus starting to talk about mustard seeds. And they are very small seeds. And planting these mustard seeds. And the reason it's counterintuitive is because these people listening to Jesus' teaching first would have been like, why would we ever plant that? That's a weed, Jesus. Don't you know your botany? Like, that's messed up. And not only that, is it's, it's a weed that once you get into your field, it was almost impossible to get out of your, your field, especially in the ancient world when we didn't have modern-day pesticides, or not pesticides, whatever, herbicides. You know, this is, this is something that you just you got into your field, and it was going to spread through your field. It's like the Canadian thistle or something like that over here. Right? It's like, we do not want mustard seed in our fields. And then the other one is, what was the second parable? Do you guys remember? The first one was mustard seed. The second, yeast, right? Well, every other place throughout the Bible, yeast is used as a negative symbol. Right? Every single place. You see it in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, even in other teachings of Jesus. Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, in a negative light, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? And it, the, this is the only passage in all of Scripture that yeast is used in a positive light all throughout Scripture. So it's getting these people who were Jewish people who knew their text. They knew what the Old Testament said, and they're going, Jesus, why are you talking about mustard seed and yeast? Like, either, he's got them scratching their head. And, and really what Jesus was trying to say here is that you can't, if you want to build God's kingdom, we're talking about God's heavenly expansion plan right now. He's building his house onto this property. And if you want to build this house, the kingdom of God, bringing heaven to earth, you can't use the same building materials you're used to using on any other kind of structure. We look at Jesus' message and we go, okay, we like that message. Let's use the, you know, the methods and the materials we're used to using to go and to bring this message out into all the rest of the, work, the, the earth. No, that does not work. Jesus has a completely counterintuitive way of bringing his good news into the world, and it is very counterintuitive. Uh, really, heaven's glory is Christ on the cross. That's heaven's glory. It's not heaven's shame. And so if we want to learn from God's methods for overthrowing Roman kingdoms, we got to look at Jesus. He didn't take an army and go storm the gates of Pilate's house, right? He surrendered himself. That is how God's goodness was spread throughout all over the earth. That is God's type of kingdom. And we can't use the materials of our kingdoms and our empires to build his kingdom. God's triumph 
is hidden in what seems like disaster. And so when we look at this idea of a mustard seed, I know I've heard Dave talk about this. What do you do with a seed? You put it in the ground, and what happens to it? It dies, right? But it does so, so that new life can be born, and that is what Jesus is asking us. That's why his ways are completely counterintuitive ways. He asks us to do the same thing that he did. He says the greatest in his kingdom is a servant, is a slave, the one who gives up his life, not the one who takes it up. That's what Jesus teaches, and it's completely different. Now, now we can all look at different ways in which we do this, and we could do this in the workplace. How do we make this work? Now, Jesus actually gave us some real-world examples of this in the Sermon on the Mount, which was pretty awesome. He, he talked about, hey, you've got some, some things that might happen to you when you're walking around on the road. And th- that day, you know, a Roman soldier could grab a Jewish person and say, hey, carry my pack a mile. Or if you got struck by someone, like especially a Roman, uh, you couldn't fight back because if you did, you, were, you, you would probably be executed. Or potentially you might get stolen from. And all these things left the Jewish people powerless, right? They couldn't do anything about it. They had no rights in comparison with the Roman citizens. Uh, they could do anything they wanted to them, which made them sit there and go, what, what do we do if we respond in kind, if we respond in violence? We're going to get the hammer brought down on us. And so Jesus teaches this whole new way. He's like, hey, the way to take back your power isn't to respond in violence, isn't to respond by resisting. Oh, take take the pack one mile. Okay, I'll do it, but I'll do it grudgingly, you know, just to show you. Jesus says, hey, take back your power, the kingdom type of power, by saying, okay, I, I, look at, man, you look like you're having a you know, a rough day, like you, you're looking like the world is just beating you down, you look hunched over, I'll take it for you two miles, okay? Or, or maybe that you get struck on, on one cheek, you go, man, it looks like, you know, somebody, somebody must have really hurt you today. Uh, you might have a little bit of anger you need to take out. I've got an extra cheek that's really good to go. You guys, re- you want to hit me here? I'm g- or maybe they take your, cl- your, maybe they take your tunic uh, or your robe and they, uh, it's one of those things where, hey, you, you could use some clothes, right? You, you are without, so how about I give you my, my tunic as well? This is one way in which Jesus could give power to the powerless, but also he showed his way of doing life. His way of doing life is completely counterintuitive to our way of doing life. This is how God overthrows kingdoms. It's through death. It's through planting of yourself. So remember that God hides triumph in what looks like disaster. I'm just going to go ahead and pray for what's going on over here. Lord, we just want to lift up uh, the situation right here. And Lord, we just pray that uh, whatever is happening, Lord, we just invite you into this room. We invite you into the people here. Lord, we, uh, we love you. And Lord, we just lift up this situation and we, we just pray that you would be all over it. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. You guys ready for point three? Okay, point three is this, is that heaven is unstoppable. Heaven's ways are unstoppable. So how do you stop someone who tells you that I want to take 
your bag two miles, not one mile, right? It's like that sort of thing. What, do you, what happens? How do you take yeast? Can you take yeast out of uh, a batch of dough after you put it in? Is that, is that something that's possible? Like it just doesn't work. You can't, you can't take the mustard seed out of the field after it's planted. What you have is just this thing that's going to spread, right? It's like the yeast is going to spread through the dough and it's going to rise up. The mustard seed is going to spread throughout the field. You cannot stop it. This is the type of thing that God's kingdom, this is how God's kingdom works. Once it starts to take root, once it's in there, you cannot take it out. Now, I'm not going to say that it's easy, right? I'm not going to say that. But God's kingdom, we, we always think about it like being something that we have to, I don't, maybe this is just me, uh, but it's like I have to work really hard to make it happen. I have to bring it, right? But it's like God's kingdom, actually when we're doing things with his method, his counterintuitive method, just seems to like spread, right? It's just, it just it's like the yeast. It just works its way through the dough. Now, it might be messy. That's what happens when we start to live this sort of life. We don't know what is going to happen to us, but we have to trust that is an unstoppable. Like, we have to trust that it's going to have more impact than we could ever have on our own doing things our way. In fact, how many pounds of dough are said in, in Matthew? How many pounds of dough does the text say? 60 pounds of dough? Can you imagine? 60 pounds of dough, you take a little bit of leaven. In fact, they didn't have like, we have packs of yeast, right? It's like, they didn't have that. They, they would hold over a little piece of dough from the last batch and they'd stick it in there. You take that little piece of dough, you stick it in there. I don't even know what 60 pounds would look like. Does that fit on a counter? I have, <laughs> I have no idea, right? But it's like 60 pounds of dough, that, that leaven is gonna work its way through all that dough, the return on investment for our, our investment, living the way in which God has asked us to live, just has impacts that, that just brings a legacy, right? It's like, even if you give up your own life, right, you're going to have an impact that ripples into eternity. We've all seen it. We've all seen kingdoms that have risen and they've fallen, right? We've all seen on the news military coups that come and they bring more military coups that go. We've seen violence that begets violence. We've seen people maybe in our own world who are trying to climb up the corporate ladder only to eventually fall. We've seen all these things where our world says the methods in which we use are to hustle, are to grind, are to be bigger, faster, stronger. And God says, no, the greatest, greatest in my kingdom is the least. That's my way. That's my way of doing things. And so if you start small, think like a seed, plant yourself and die, trust that God will do great things. Now let's start to talk about what those things are. Now this, this brings us to the fourth point. Let heaven's goodness bless the world. Now tell me this, what do you do with 60 pounds of dough. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of ideas. That's, let me just tell you, that's 150 loaves of bread, roughly, okay? What are you gonna do with 150 loaves of bread? You're either gonna throw a party, right? Or, or you're gonna go and start to give those things away, right? There's no way that you're using 60 pounds of dough for yourself. 
There's no way. It just doesn't work that way. That's not the way that God's kingdom is showing itself off here. Heaven is a blessing to the outsider. Like if you're going to live in God's way, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless people that are outside of you, outside of the church, outside of your normal people group. That's just the way it works. In fact, in this mustard seed parable, Jesus starts talking about this mustard seed. Did you guys see that, that plant? Do you understand that a bird could not rest on that very well? Like it would flop on over. Jesus starts to actually mix metaphors here in this parable, and he's talking out of a passage that's in your notes. I don't have time to read it, unfortunately. I'm running out of time. So that passage is Ezekiel chapter 17, and it's a, par- it's a, it's a story in Ezekiel about the, God taking his people, the people of Israel, out of exile back to the promised land and what he wants to see from them. He wants to create them into what he, he calls a mighty cedar, and a mighty cedar in which birds can nest in the branches. And that those birds will actually be able to be, have, be protected and have shade from the hot sun. And those birds in this, in this passage in Ezekiel are all the other nations. It's a, it's a call back to what God was in, originally intending to do with his people, Israel. And that was that Israel was supposed to bless all nations. And now Jesus comes and he starts to talk about bringing heaven to earth. And he says, if, if I'm bringing heaven to earth... What heaven needs to do is it actually needs to be a place that isn't just good for the people who are part of it, right? Heaven needs to be a blessing for all people. Heaven needs to be a place where birds can nest in these branches. And so you might be looking up and you might be saying, man, there are birds in my tree, right? And it's like, don't pull out the chainsaw and cut it down. If there are birds resting in your tree, that's a sign that you're doing the right thing. If there are people in your life that are kind of, you know, just they're coming in, it's like, what do I do with all these people that are coming and they're needing help and I don't know what to do, it's messy and all the, like that's a sign that God's kingdom, God's goodness and heaven is in your life because outsiders are being brought close to you. And this is also true in this this parable of the, the dough, right? What do you do with 60 pounds of flour? Well, the reason G- Jesus is even talking about 60 pounds is because he's, he's quoting scripture through this parable. We don't even know it. Genesis chapter 18, three strangers show up at Abraham's door. And he goes running. He starts running. And he goes to one of his servants. He said, hey, sacrifice the fatted calf. And then he goes to his wife, Sarah. And he says, hey, Sarah, I need you to make what it, the actual Hebrew says, three seahs of flour, which is 60 pounds of the finest flour, and I need you to make bread for these guys. Jesus is looking at back at what Abraham did, the hospitality that he had towards these three strangers, and he says, guess what, guys? Heaven looks a lot like that. Heaven looks like seeing three strangers coming down the road and saying, man, I can bless these guys. And not only that, I'm going to sacrifice my finite possessions and resources to bring the, the, the fatted calf and the 60 pounds of flour. I mean, good, oh my goodness, like how many loaves of bread did they have to stuff in their pockets uh, after they left? I mean, this is amazing what Abraham decides to do to go above and beyond to bless these people who are just foreigners walk into his door. That's who they were. 
That's what heaven looks like. That's his goodness, right? So if we look and we say, how do we bring heaven to earth? Because this is, this is how God wants to use us, right? He wants to expand his kingdom. This is God's heavenly expansion plan. What do we do? What does it look like to bless those around us, you might say? Well, I'd say one, you, you don't have to look very far, is the story of Sarah here. Hospitality is one amazing way uh, to love people and to bless them, right? It's like if you extend your table, especially in the ancient Near East, if you do this, you're actually, if you eat a meal with someone, you're saying you're at peace with them. You're actually bringing them in, in a way into your extended family. And so <clears throat> it might look like you and just inviting someone in your office to lunch, taking them out, paying, footing the bill, maybe giving a really nice tip too, I, I'd say. Uh, and then maybe it looks like you inviting people more often over to your house inviting them to your table, or maybe if, since we're talking about Father's Day, and we, I mean, I was actually completely shocked at the fact that there are at least 33% of our kids that are growing up without their biological father. So if you're looking around and you're saying, man, there's this single mom, and she's in our church, or she's in my neighborhood, I'm, I'm just going to start inviting her over with her kids to play with my kids. And to be around, you know, and, and maybe getting a little bit of a, a father figure here. I mean, these, these are ways in which we can bless, tangibly bless those around us, especially those who are outsiders. <clears throat> so hell on earth is something that just happens, right? Heaven on earth is something we have to be intentional about. So this is how we join in God's heavenly expansion plan. It's these things. Just to recap real quick. Don't be discouraged by humble beginnings. That might be exactly what God wants, right? Plant yourself as a seed. Die and let God make something even better than what you imagined. And then have hope because heaven's ways, heaven's ways are completely unstoppable. And then... Number four, bless those who are outsiders. Bless those who are outsiders. Now, let, let's see. The end, the last verse that I read that wasn't part of the two parables was this last verse. It, it says in verse 34 and 35, it says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Wow, always and never statements. I was always told to never use always and never statements. <laughs> this is how Jesus preached. And other parts of the scripture, even in the same exact verse, uh, or the same exact chapter, in, in chapter 13, we have this, this idea that Jesus says at the end of his parable, when he's talking about the wheat and the tares, when he's talking about that, he says, those who have ears, let them hear. And what he's trying to say is that if you want to know what I'm talking about, you'll figure it out. And if you don't want to know, you'll just pretend like you didn't hear it. And so I actually feel a little bit guilty today that I've just kind of explained what Jesus was actually saying to you because once you understand what he's saying, you actually have an obligation to do something about it. And so I did something today that Jesus didn't even do. So maybe I did the wrong thing. I don't know. But Jesus would veil what he was trying to teach with these stories. 
And we're in the next four weeks just going to straight up tell you what they're about. So if you don't want to know it, don't come back. No, come back. <laughs> come back. We want you here because we want heaven on earth, don't we? Like, we don't want to just bury our head in the sand and say, no, we're okay with what we got. We want better than what we have, right? But understand that once you hear it, you have an obligation to do something about it. And God's heavenly expansion plan involves you. But here's what the scriptures say over and over again. Do not be afraid. Kip, in fact, Kip, I don't know if he's in the room, but he said, uh, we went into Boise a couple weeks ago together, and he said there's 365 times in the Bible it says to us, do not be afraid. There's a don't be afraid for every day of the year, okay? Don't be afraid. We need to put a little bit more heaven in this earth, just like we need to put a little bit of leaven inside the dough, right? So who wants heaven on earth? You guys ready for it? Okay, who's ready to join in God's heavenly expansion plan? Yeah? Amen. Well, heaven's ways are always better. And so I just want to say there's two ways in which you might decide to respond. You may be that lot next to the big, big house, right? It's kind of overgrown and looking not so good. Like you've tried to do life on your own too long and you need to let God break through your, your fence and start to expand his big house onto your lot because he wants to give you the best that he has to offer. He's got great things. He wants you to use his whole house, right? And all you're doing is you're sitting there in your pride and you're saying, I don't need any help. That's not okay. So if you're sitting in the audience today and you're just like, man, I, I can do this on my own, stop it. That's not heaven, right? It's not heaven. And you might be sitting in there going, yeah, I've been a believer for a long time, but I'm I don't know what heaven looks like. Well, I can't say more than what Sally said. You got to start listening to those little nudges and then just start small. Like, it almost seems insignificant in the beginning, in fact. Like, you don't know what it's going to turn out to be. We do not know what it's going to turn out to be, but trust in the idea that God's going to speak to you and that you're going to be all right to just listen and say, Okay, God, I'm going on in. Okay, you guys all in? Okay, let's pray. Lord, I lift up these wonderful people. Lord, we, we want to see your kingdom not just come to earth, but we want to see it crash into earth. And we want to see your goodness built up. Lord, we want to see your big house built onto our lot. And Lord, I, I just pray that we would be open to your work. Lord, thank you for your love. Lord, I, I, I also just lift up this, uh, this person that's just leaving with the, the paramedics right now, and we pray for them, their health, their body. Lord, bring uh, your presence. Lord, you are the great healer, the great physician, and uh, Lord, I just pray that your, your uh, power would, would just work through them. And so, Lord, we, we lift this day to you. Lord, we lift all your goodness to you, and Lord, we, uh, we love how much you love us. We pray this in your name. Amen.